And we are live, everybody. Welcome to Post Wrestling's WWE SummerSlam 2019 Post Show. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting coming at you following tonight's big show from the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario. A mere 15 minutes from where Wei and I took in tonight's pay-per-view mm-hmm. via my couch. Uh, yeah, and that's the reason why we we're here so early. This wouldn't have been possible if we had gone to that show. Mm-hmm. I also probably would have been a mess trying to take notes. And and I might have been asleep. Listen, we have had an extremely long day. Apparently not as uh, long a day as some of the people that went to the Scotiabank Arena did. Because <laughs> at times, it was very appropriate who the sponsor was. Because I think it was an entire arena of Cricket Wireless uh, impersonations. <laughs> this is why I wish we didn't watch the shows together. I know. I I have a hard time. That was a gem of a joke, but unfortunately, he had already said it to me as we were watching the show. So apologies for the 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 lack of reaction. It's now on you. You've you've got to learn how to be able to sell it a second time, like you do the first time. Although you you kind of know sell my jokes a lot during (laughs) I laugh just our non on air times. I laugh on the inside. I know you hate watching the shows together. Where we were, we were in a situation. I I understand though. I absolutely do not. I, I do I do really try because I find for for all my talk about like I'm I'm very bad with uh, uh, small talk with people uh-huh. I can't shut up around you when I've got a joke <laughs> boom I lay it on way and I I feel at times I'm an annoying person to Not watch at all with. I I just don't have much of a reaction like to them like what what am I supposed to say I, I weigh things imagine. a lot I, I definitely think about things I'm like is this show material is this just regular interaction material I weigh all these things you don't have to think about it so much well we're going to go into this show but man I'm sure we've done it before but I can't recall the last time this is our third show of the day second yeah. that most people are listening to but we had our live show in the midst of all of this this was a fantastic day mm-hmm. honestly one of my one of my favorite days ever of my career yeah, yeah. I'm exhausted, but I'm a good exhausted. I'm honestly, I'm surprised that I have as much energy as I do right now. I've, I've told, I had a second wind during the show because I was exhausted this morning, as were you. And I guess this is my third wind. The four coffees during SummerSlam probably are kicking in now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready to go. I might watch the G1 tonight. Uh, why not? We'll <laughs> it go, starts at two. We'll dude. go straight to Raw. The show start. This show ended so early. The SummerSlam card that I thought, <laughs> I thought we weren't going to be on till like eleven forty-five, and we'd go right into the G one. But mm-hmm. we had we cut off. Uh, why don't you rewatch SummerSlam? What about that, we're not going to go that far. But we're gonna. The most feedback I'm getting right now is the end time. Mm-hmm. My God, did that certainly uh, leave people on a really positive note? And there were there were several positives on this card i think this was a mixed bag of a show uh but we shall discuss that anything you want to talk about uh today just uh, the live show for those that did not get to attend the show is going to be available on the post wrestling cafe for patrons this wednesday audio and video yeah we'll have a video link up there as well uh unlisted so that uh, people in the cafe can feel like they're there even if they didn't get a chance to but the people who did get a chance to go i want to thank every single one of you we had what, 70-something seats available? I think it was standing, the number was about 75. Standing room only for uh, a Q&A in our very own hometown. Thank you, everybody, uh, not just for attending, but also for your questions and, and everything else, just to see your faces. Yeah, the, the, the staff at Second City were so phenomenal. This mm-hmm. was the least, like, there were no hiccups. No there were no headaches. Like, it couldn't have been a smoother process. Yeah. And... I mean, it, it was just fantastic. The questions were so great that mm-hmm. we got on this. I just... I I just love this show. It was so awesome. It meant so much to us. 
we didn't even mention while we were at the show, but we actually were doing the show from the actual stage that many of the Second City players, including John Candy, performed on. Yeah, they have the actual wooden panel from the original stage where the likes of John Candy and so many of the SCTV players mm-hmm. like performed on. So yeah. that was a cool little tidbit of history that we failed to bring up during the show that we should have. No, we but did. that is the stage that many people got to stand on uh, as we did our meet and greet. So right. you were connected to history without uh, knowing it. But man, we got to meet pretty much most of the people that were there mm-hmm. afterwards. It was just very smoothly run. Like I, I honestly, I, d- I don't think the show could have gone any better today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everybody at, at uh, the Second City, Daniel, Natalie, Matt, and of course the people that were helping us, Pauline, uh, uh, Caitlin, and Matt. Rob- Robert and Robert, yes. All the all the post wrestling family members yep. that showed up as well. WH, Mike Murray, Braden uh, and Davy were there. Scrump, Scrump was there. Sir, Jesse from the Six. MJ, MJ from NJ. Uh, uh, the Archivist. How about Chris one person Angler. who I did not see? Brandon from New Jersey. There is some, quite a, some controversy. There's there. some controversy. We can confirm he was in town. Oh, I saw him. I you was saw him at I the was tailgate? sitting at, at a table next to him as he showed up fashionably. He's he's gonna love that we're talking about him, by the way, at the beginning of this show. But yeah, he I sat next to him like at the at the tailgate as he showed up like with like thirty minutes to go. So I never saw him at the tailgate. I never saw him at this show. And then during SummerSlam, he sends me a photo of the of a crowd shot at SummerSlam and near the front row. There was just a block of empty seats. And he's like, what's going on here with all these empty seats? And I responded, someone bought a ticket and didn't show up? Sounds familiar. So what was his response? He laughed. Hmm. In his Brandon laugh. So I I don't know. I don't know if he showed up. I don't know if he didn't. He did not. He had built this up for weeks. For weeks and weeks. And the payoff was not met. I, I wanted to meet Brandon. I even left we a, have met him before. I even left an opening in there uh, during the Q&A for him to show his face. And the he man did. did not show his face. So the, the mystery continues. He is the fiend. He's our fiend. Really. Yeah, only he didn't have a great entrance today. Not today. Okay, well, we, uh, we seek to one day get Brandon to one of our shows. We will let him in. Are we going to have to go to New Jersey? (laughs) Let him in. Uh, Uh, But yes, thank you to everyone who showed up. And our weekend, it's been phenomenal. My cousin showed up. Way's cousin, the the last (laughs) person, I just greet them. And Way is like, that's my cousin. And I thought it was the funniest thing. So your cousin. My cousin, who's not a wrestling fan at all. I guess, you know, because we're we're family. Like, he sees my Facebook post. Hello, Jockey, if you're listening to this. Um, He sees my Facebook post and one day decided to listen to our podcast. Has never seen a second of pro wrestling in his life, but has listened to all of our shows. That's amazing. It's 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 interesting. Yeah. We also had the same pair of shoes, yes, the two of us. Dancements. We had that in common. I was just in awe of meeting Way's cousin. I thought that was part was cool. Yeah. And then he's talking about Hanzi, and like he's all up to... I know. Di- he said he listens to How everything. How does my cousin know who Hanzi is? It was amazing. just so amazing to meet your cousin. Uh, I met one guy, Sean, who went to the same high school as me, although we were in different years. Um, yeah. It was just so cool. Like so there were cool. people from Saskatoon, uh, Massachusetts. Um, I'm trying to remember all the locations. MJ from NJ, obviously. Yep. Um, Mystery Man from New Jersey. Um, the Mississauga. Martin Bentley was there yep. from the UK, giving us a asking us a question about the UK scene. No, it was just it was so cool just to meet all these listeners. Whether it was repeat uh, visits that we people we've met in the past or people for the first time. So mm. no, it was uh, it was very cool. So. Thank you again. Saturday, though, we went to Braden and Davies' up next tailgate party, and 
I mean, we were going to check this out, and I, I didn't really know what the setup was going to be. This thing was unbelievable. It was incredible. I was yeah. so impressed. <laughs> they they did so. They well. did such an awesome job with this. They had so this bar opens up at six p.m. on Saturdays, mm-hmm. so it's closed during the day. And Davy's friends, I guess, are work at the bar. They volunteered to come in, so he had bartenders there. A custom menu with like these drinks, which mm-hmm. were phenomenal. I I tried the Hurricane Rana. You tried the. I had the Tranquilo and. You had, and the Panama City Sunrise. Oh, damn. Both delicious. Yes. yes. They, they were very sugary drinks, but oh, they, yeah. were, they were very tasty. Yes. So we had a, a sampling of those. And then they had... Uh, Mario Kart. They had the Mario Kart tournament going on. They had uh, past takeover matches airing. And then the, the coup de grace, so to speak, was the videos of what... Gargano versus Almas and Chill means to you. Let, let's preface this because, like, during the week, you know, both John and I get messages from Davey Portman telling us to record. Eh, can you record a quick selfie video telling you, telling, telling everybody what Gargano versus Almas and Chill means to you? So I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. We, I record something. John recorded t- a couple things actually, uh, both very funny. So like, we're seeing like one after the other these videos of like the people in attendance talking about what that match means to them. Everybody killed it. Everybody had a funny response. Dahlia Black did one. Um, yeah yeah that was funny wh was in there yeah mj was in there um there were a bunch of people in so there. like jesse we, from the six had one so we go through like you know what like six seven eight of these videos and the last person <laughs> was johnny gargano himself talking about what Gar- gargano and Amos and chill means he to had him. the he had the match of the year like ring bell that they presented at uh at the end of the year uh, my mind was blown i did not expect to walk into wide open and see a custom video from johnny gargano talking ta- telling me about this this uh tailgate party that i was at. it was really awesome oh, that they got so that good. just really, really i don't cool. want to like we've told enough about the story i just wanted to give our perspective but uh listen to up next they did a great review of a, t- a takeover yesterday where they're probably gonna uh get more in depth about it on their show uh this coming week as well yeah they did man they just hit a home run this weekend great job and yeah they have a great review of takeover uh kind of like a round table uh mm-hmm. with, with with multiple uh, yep. scrump is on it mj is on there jesse from the six Braden and davy so yeah uh, really a great, great review they they went to the show live so mm-hmm. they've got that perspective of it as well is there anything you wanted to share about takeover before we dove into SummerSlam? Uh, honestly, not so much. I was kind of watching in and out, and like like you kind of talked about the Q and A, John. Like watching while I'm taking notes versus not taking notes is sort of a different experience. So I don't necessarily have anything too in depth to, to really say about it. Yeah, I, it's probably something I'll have to go back and rewatch. I, I think as if you sat down to watch a wrestling show on Saturday night, I don't see how you could be disappointed with the show. I thought it was a very easy show to watch. But if you're going to compare it to other takeovers, I do think it was on the lower end. I think that. I think everything was good with the exception of Shayna Baszler and Mia Yim that just it didn't hit. I didn't mind the main event as some others did. I thought it was a really good match. Candice LeRae and Io Shirai had a, had a dynamite match. I think mm-hmm. Io Shirai, she's a phenomenal heel. I just think, man, if it, whenever you hear the discussion, it's like, oh, the, like the language barrier. There is no barrier. That woman has so much personality and charisma, as did Asuka, as did Shinsuke Nakamura, that I just do not buy the language barrier being uh, uh, prohibiting someone from getting over to a North American audience. I just think she's phenomenal. Um, But yeah, it it was a good show, but I I don't think you're going to be talking about this one uh, among the great takeovers. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's get into SummerSlam. It was a lengthy show. Is there any housekeeping we have to get into before we dive into the show? Oh, yes. Yes, we absolutely do, because 
This particular episode of our podcast is once again sponsored by the Grapple app. Our friends at Grapple, G-R-A-P-P-L, which is an app that's available for free on the App Store and Google Play. It's an app that lets you rate matches you watch, and it creates averages based on ratings from all users. So you can find the best matches from 17 different promotions around the world. One of the best things about Grapple is being able to immediately see what what match ratings other fans are giving as you're watching together live so tonight we will be using grapple to tell you what people thought of the matches on SummerSlam as we go through every single match so uh, on the app itself you can set filters by year month promotion or event to find the best matches of those uh, particular filters or you can create your own watch list and you can follow your friends and people whose views you are interested in such as me my views waiting the influencer yes and i'm on there at as uh, Wei Ting or Wei0937. Uh, and if you're about to watch the G1 final coming up in a couple hours, you can get on Grapple right now and get your ratings in live. Uh, so you can download Grapple for free. Just search G-R-A-P-P-L with no E at the end on the App Store and Google Play. And for updates, follow at Grapple App on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, so we'll be going through those uh, those match ratings throughout the show, and they've also got a great chart of the G1 and what their infographics are excellent. They're yeah. tremendous, yeah. Really, really great uh, resources throughout the G1 to kind of navigate if you're going back to check out uh, different matches and such as the tournament wraps up. By the time most people are listening to this, the G1 will probably be over. Yeah. Um, it's a it's an early early show on Monday morning. So SummerSlam. From Sunday night at the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, Ontario. Night two of four. Way will be making it right at the end on Tuesday night. Yes, we will. We will see what the... Uh, man, what is the energy going to be like in the, the arena by night four? Uh, I'm very curious how packed it will be. I mean, I guess if the energy no, is... I think it's going to be the, the least of the four. And if the energy is what it was tonight, I, I, I wonder what it would be like. There. Are you going to stay for 205 Live or I want to be to. determined? I want to. I guess largely it'll depend on the people that I'm going with, but I, I definitely plan to myself. Uh, well, when um when you were going to get uh, the car, I was I was chatting with your girlfriend about uh, SmackDown with uh, Daniel Shahori, and uh-huh. he was mentioning that, yeah, it's way better to go to SmackDown than Raw because it's shorter, Although there is 205 Live, and I, I told her, Way is going to make you stay for 205 Live. You got to watch 205 Live. Very likely. She will learn all about uh, Ju Gulak. Exactly. So the show starts off with the kickoff show at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So the original advertising was a six o'clock start, uh, but then they reverted back to the usual start time of five. Well, well, so they must have had some incredible content for that extra hour. The first hour and 15 minutes, I don't know why. We had to be subjected to this. This would have been such a more compact show if you eliminated this first hour. There was there was some, not some, there was one, I think, interesting talking head in right. this opening hour. So Jonathan Coachman is hosting the panel with David Otunga, Charlie Caruso, and Beth Phoenix. And we have JBL and Sam Roberts ringside previewing the show. Just a few cutaways to JBL and Sam Roberts and both kind of taking uh, a heel tact, which we've seen with Sam Roberts. And the two are just kind of playing heels. Mm-hmm. Kayla Braxton interviewed Charlotte Flair talking about her match with Trish Stratus that she's out of her element and it was her generation that ushered in the women's evolution not uh, Stratus and her evo- and her generation this is what I thought was the best part they brought Mick Foley onto the panel yeah. and he gave this in-depth explanation about the way in which you administer the mandible claw the pressure points it puts on and he can speak from experience Bray Wyatt has mastered it I thought this was so cool 
I agree with you. I mean, and obviously because of the fact that he felt it. He was the first person to take the mandible claw from Bray Wyatt and, and also the guy who originated it. So uh, I thought it was one of the few times where a guest spot on one of these kickoff panels was actually well utilized for an angle. I want to hear more from Foley. I mm-hmm. thought he was great in the in the short time I'd love he was to, there. I'd love to hear more of Foley in these kickoffs. They also had The Miz, who was going on about the Goldberg-Dolph Ziggler match and going against Dolph Ziggler stating... If you think you're the guy, then why aren't you? And said, if you're upset about these legends coming back, go out and get a bigger pop than them. Get a bigger reaction. Then they really are taking a spot from you. Pretty much saying, like, you're not as over as the legends. So that's why the legends are coming back. It was just a very weird uh, babyface directive that Miz was taking in explaining Dolph Ziggler is not over to the level of Goldberg, and that's why he's coming back. I guess for the people that that you know miss Talking Smack, you do kind of get elements of that on these kickoff panels. This right? was Talking Smack. Yeah, miss. there's there's very much kind of like improvisation for from a lot of these performers. The questions aren't always that interesting, but you know you got you get them occasionally. Kevin Owens was interviewed and again brought up why Shane McMahon is not putting his career on the line, citing he's a McMahon and he has no integrity or pride because he was offered the chance to put his career on the line on SmackDown and chose not to. And all he wanted was to get Shane in the ring. And that's why he's putting his career on the line. JBL added, tell Kevin Owens to ask Jim Crockett or Ted Turner what it's like to go fight a McMahon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fighting words. Finn Balor was approached by the OC in the locker room and they offered him their help against Bray Wyatt. They put up the two sweet sign, but Balor did not join and was left somewhat conflicted. And this was never revisited beyond this and doing a cameo of the the original Bullet Club members in in Balor and and Carl Anderson. Yeah, perhaps because I don't know Balor's status. I don't know if he's going to take a break after this. Maybe tonight they, we'll get into it. Yeah, it, maybe it, they, it didn't seem like tonight would have been the blow off, right? The disappearance. Yeah, but um, nor do I think they're necessarily going to get to a, this particular feud coming right right after this this fiend program. So I don't know. Maybe because they were new, they just decided to do it. Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan took place at approximately six fifteen. So th- yeah. we went through all of what I recapped. Was an hour and fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. very excessive. And the gates opened at five o'clock p.m. So the first shot you see in the arena, if there were twenty people in the crowd, I would have been surprised. Mm-hmm. It was empty. It looked awful. I don't know. I don't well, know why they're opening. I mean, at least by the time the matches got there, I don't think it really like they. I, like I guess if they knew the first match was at six fifteen, it really didn't matter. Maybe that should have been the tip yeah. off to us that. This first hour is really going to be nothing because they're not going to put them. Although they have in the past, they put matches in the ring when the arena is empty. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't the case here. It had filed in to look fine look by fine. the time we got to the cruiserweight title match, which was our first match. Drew Gulak versus Mr. Twitter, Oni Lorcan. What oh. do you think about his social media? I think he's great. Yeah, I think he's really fun. He's got a really interesting gimmick where, I mean, he's perfected the art of typing in all caps. And he is tremendous. Yes. Have you focused on the obsession on his finger? Uh, no, I've not. He's got an extremely long finger. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Yes. And so he's photoshopped and added like feet to it, and yeah. it's this weird deal. He he has an unnaturally long finger. Listen, whatever gets you over. I guess so. Yes. Um, they started off with some grappling, a little um, uh, maybe ambition influence, some Yuki Ishikawa, mm-hmm. Timothy Thatcher. No. Um. 
They're both going for positional control. Gulak got the Gulak. The crowd was just so dead here. They reacted to nothing. Um, they traded open palm strikes with Gulak smacking him from behind. Lorcan then reversed the Gulak by rolling on top. Lorcan hit this huge open palm strike and then fired back against Gulak. Gulak then pulled at the ring skirt from the mat, from the apron, and the referee then went to go put the ring skirt back, and behind the referee's back, Gulak struck Lorcan in the throat and hit the Cyclone Crash for the win in 8 minutes and 47 seconds. Maybe in front of a better crowd, this would have... Um, I like kind of the style they were working, but it was short, and the audience really wasn't into this, and I, I, I thought it was fine for the kickoff, but nothing memorable by the I, end of it. I, I think we, you and I kind of had expectations for this one to be a bit of a show stealer when, while just looking yeah, at the card on paper. It did not deliver to the, that extent. I think the lack of familiarity the crowd already has with these two. Like the Gulak told me no one was at least caring no, about this. Yeah. Well, you know, it tells me that these guys have to work extra harder because people don't know who they are. But instead, this to me just felt like a pretty standard match and honestly didn't really catch my attention. In and any this way. wasn't like a fiery Oni Lorcan style of match. No. I mean, it was more just like was the, it the fiery, palm strikes. It wasn't and... a fiery Drew Gulak type of match. It was just fine. Grapple rates this one 2.93. All right. This is out of five. Out of five. Apollo Crews versus Buddy Murphy. This was a late addition on the day of SummerSlam. And. They began, they were just trading strikes. Murphy hit his flying knee, and then Cruz stopped Murphy's law. Cruz then attempted a moonsault off the apron, but Murphy avoided it, sent Cruz into the steps, and then Murphy hit a Topecon hero before Rowan ran down, attacking Buddy Murphy for the DQ at 442. This one barely got going, and it was largely just, it was more an angle than anything to get. This was Rowan's involvement on the show, and of everything involving the car uh, attack and the mystery attacker, we had plenty of videos recapping it, but nothing. I mean, this was it. This was it. You had a shot of Daniel Bryan watching this match, uh, watching Rowan attack Buddy Murphy from the background. So, uh, really, yeah, not not following up with any type of a confrontation on this particular pay-per-view at all, saving it for later, which maybe is the better move. It, uh, I mean, no Roman Reigns on this show was very surprising. Yeah. Either they just felt that we should just hold this off for TV, or mm. they didn't have creative in place for him um, for the show. And how? And what were you going to do tonight? I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. And maybe they're going to try and feel that this mystery attacker, it's got some juice to it, and we're going to stretch it out. So that seems to be what they're doing. But I was very surprised we got no Roman Reigns on mm-hmm. one of the big shows of the year. I suppose coming out of the evening, though, it might have been forgotten after everything else that had happened as well. Uh, but it was a really this was more of a segment than than a yeah. Match. This this wasn't anything. What would what grapple go on this? Two point one six out of five. Well, that's uh, yeah. It's it, hard to rate matches like this. It, it really was. I mean, it was some some offensive maneuvers from Buddy Murphy. That is really all you can really cling your hat to Elias was in the ring in the next segment and he started his song insulting Toronto about not having a Stanley cup that this place is sold out unlike the Toronto Blue Jays at the Rogers Center which is pretty accurate Mm -hmm. and then we knew what was coming the the big one was Kawhi Leonard leaving Toronto and then everyone's like booing this it was a great bit by Elias I thought this was really good and then Edge's music hits, and this place goes insane. Like a legitimate surprise that Edge is here. He comes out um, just removed from a pretty nasty bike accident he had that he uh, had posted some pictures on earlier this week. But comes out, gets a huge reaction. He's in the ring. Everyone's chanting for him. He stares down Elias, and then 
Spears Elias, yeah. which I was very surprised they allowed Edge to do anything physical here, especially a guy with spinal stenosis doing a spear that I, I was just very surprised that he did this. Yeah, it's really interesting. It makes you wonder what's up. Yeah, it certainly was not the spot I was uh, expecting, but this got over huge. And yep. I heard from um, someone who was there in the building saying like this, this got a bigger reaction than Goldberg did. Uh, well, I think it's a combination of it being a surprise. And also, I think Elias doing a great job. And Kawhi Leonard. Of course. Kawhi it, Leonard, as yeah. Elias identified him as. Sure. So this was a great segment. And yeah, physicality from Edge. Final kickoff match was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Iconics for the women's tag titles. Mm-hmm. Had to fit this one in. Alexa Bliss came out in a Buzz Lightyear outfit. That she did. A number of people were doing some cosplay on the show for seemingly no particular reason. I find no connection to, to any of these things to Toronto. It um, just seemed to be it was um, just to be pop culture relevant. I guess so. I guess. Um, so we started off this match where Nikki Cross was the one getting beaten down at the beginning. Um, there was Ale- some awkward Ale- stuff with the Iconics. Alexa did like a Buzz Lightyear laser point. She this, really likes the movies, I guess. Well, that laser pointer and the Toy Story interaction gave lots of fuel for Coy Graves throughout this match. And you also had Bliss and Cross in the babyface roles here, which I found a little tough. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you have two heel teams, uh, and I guess they decided decided to make Nikki and Alexa the more effective babyfaces. Yeah, I guess they didn't want to put the Kabuki Warriors in there against Bliss and Cross, save that. So mm-hmm. you had two heel teams, and Bliss and Cross just defaulted as the babyfaces. It was awkward to see Bliss kind of in that role. Um, Cross took Billy Kay to the floor with a rear naked choke as uh, Peyton Royce used a gory special on Bliss. She kicked out, and then Royce hit a right hand. Bliss hit Twisted Bliss and pinned Peyton Royce at 609. Um, yeah. I, you know, I thought the Iconics actually looked pretty competent in their short appearance as they were dropping the titles earlier in the week. And I'd wonder now that if they had finally dropped their titles, that they would actually start to turn turn things around in ring, perhaps, you know, no, no longer having to play the cowards. Maybe they're finally going to be able to show what they actually can do in the ring. And they did not. I thought this match was actually quite awful. You know, really ugly, ugly looking moves, long and boring as the Iconics were in control. Just not a very good wrestling match, in my opinion. I would say this... Like the matches on the kickoff were pretty pretty skippable, and I, w- I was kind of I was expecting more from Gulak and and uh, Lorkin, who mm. I honestly I did not need Buddy Murphy and uh, uh, Apollo Cruz on this show. I don't think Rowan. I think that's easily a TV segment, and could have given more time for Gulak and Lorkin to get like fourteen minutes, and I think they could have had a really hot kickoff match. But we didn't get that. We got three really passable matches. I think a lot of what we saw was just an excuse to get guys on the show. People like Alexa Bliss, um, people like, you know. But wasn't it odd after all the programs we ran through that they've teased on television and they went with something cold like Buddy Murphy and Apollo Crews? I mean, that really was just a backdrop for Buddy Murphy to get his ass kicked, wasn't it? And I think they want to save the actual programs for either TV or your next pay-per-view. They must be. Grapple gave this match 2.07. So what was lower, this or the? Uh, this was the lowest so far. This was the lowest. Yes. So yeah, we were we have not hit three yet after the kickoff. <laughs> the show proper began with a really great opening video, and we were trying to figure out who was doing the voiceover here because for all of the Toronto Raptors uh, the, for their whole playoff run, uh, they had this guy Socrates, the rapper, 
the, the rapper doing the voiceovers for Sportsnet, and it sounded like him, but I wasn't sure if it was actually him that they got to voice this. The production felt incredibly similar to, like, I think what uh, either Bell or Rogers were. Yeah, they do like these. Not so much, uh, kind of like video essays, sort of with, with him. Oh, it's uh, like op- great, like openings, yeah, like epic sounding mm-hmm. openings. And there seemed to be from the merchandise and the uh, the Velveteen Dream entrance and everything. Like there seemed to certainly be a partnership with the WWE and the Toronto Raptors, and a lot of cross promotion here. Yeah, uh, the Toronto Raptors owned by MLSC, which uh, obviously o- owns, owns the arena, owns Scotiabank Arena. So you saw a lot of like Raptors merchandise, like Raptors logos on official WWE merchandise. Yeah, tons of it, like oh. Kofi's tights, Owen's shirt. I mean, they just had tons of stuff on mm-hmm. this show. So um, show begins, and kicking things off is actually before we get into the matches, I did want to make mention. I heard from so many people that had streaming issues tonight on the WWE Network since the interface change that it just seemed those that were streaming uh, constant buffering issues. Just I've never heard of so many problems. We were lucky because in Canada, the WWE Network is an actual channel. So it's like there's an actual satellite that we're getting it from. So we don't have to rely on an Internet connection for it. So we had no problems. But I was just bombarded when I asked about anyone having any issues with with this. And it was, I would say, 90% of the responses were problems. Oh, that's really unfortunate and clearly something they have to address uh, among the many. For such a big show, I think that this is one that if you haven't been using the service for a while, you tune in tonight and just get a headache, boom, I'm getting rid of this. It's it's one among many issues I think they have to identify with this new app. So opening the main show was Becky Lynch versus Natalia, which... Might be a first where someone has headlined WrestleMania, opened SummerSlam. I'll have to do, do that research. But, I mean, I don't think the opener in this scenario really felt like an opener. She's still one of the more over people. And, if anything, it was them wanting to start the show off really hot. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was designed to be, you know, a hot start. And yeah. Becky came out to a really strong reaction, as did Natalia, uh, who came out second here. Uh, so, submission yeah. match for the Raw Women's title. And they explained there are no countouts or disqualifications in this match. Yeah, which is... <laughs> Unusual for a submission match, is it not? Like, typically, they're at least rope breaks, aren't they? They do this weird deal where a submission match means, well, there's no rope breaks. It's like, that's not what a submission match is. It means you have to you have to beat them with a submission, but you still have to beat them within the legal area, which yeah. is the ring. We've seen WWE submission matches where there are rope breaks. Yeah, there should be rope breaks. But, I mean, whatever. Like, if you told me that there are no rope breaks for this one, fine. If submissions count on the floor for this one, okay, fine. It's just it maybe it takes a bit of getting used to. Natalia went after Becky Lynch's knee and snapped it on the rope and sent Lynch into the post. And then as she was launched into the turnbuckle, Natalia sits on the top and applies the sharpshooter on the turnbuckle yeah. Which was a super cool visual. I thought it looked great. And, and um, you know, on a show where we saw quite a few sharpshooters. Yes. I, I think uh, this was uh, the one that stands out the most. I mean, I've, we, I, we've all seen a lot of sharpshooters and maybe not 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 always. Uh, it, it can be a very tired spot, but this was actually a very unique take. This was really, I thought it looked really cool. Uh, Becky got out of the hold and then sent Natalia into the steps. But Natalia hit a superplex. Lynch applies the sharpshooter onto Natalia, who breaks free by sending Lynch uh, headfirst into the turnbuckle and flipping her over. Natalia then goes for the disarmer and then got the sharpshooter applied. Lynch countered to get the disarmer herself. 
She applied it. She had it locked in and Natalia tapped out at 12 minutes and 23 seconds to retain the Raw Women's title. Uh, I thought this was um, the best match so far on the show. But what I really liked about this, everything was geared around the submissions. Everything yep. was, um, you know, it was a simple layout. They had a lot of creative stuff. Each went through the other's finishers. I liked the match. I actually had my doubts going into this about how Becky would look in a submission match like this. Uh, I had no doubts about Natalia. You know, this is her style of match, and I thought she did great here. This is the style that I wish Natalia would wrestle, like, all the time. Like, she should be the submission expert. She should be the shooter who just, like, looks to submit everybody, taps everybody out. So I thought she did great. And I thought Becky actually did pretty good, too. You know, like, they laid this match out really well with great back-and-forth sequences, each of them exchanging each other's finishers. I don't feel like they hit next gear before ending things. To me, the ending almost came a little bit too abruptly and, and a little too predictably, if I have to say. Yeah, this certainly was a match of the show. No, not at all. Maybe it was never intended to. But I thought they built it up well enough to, for me to expect maybe something a bit more epic. Uh, but it still managed to exceed my ex- expectations. Especially I, when I, Becky's been in like this this rut. This was a this was a really good outing for it her. It was certainly probably her best pay-per-view match since um, WrestleMania. Yes, yeah. I would say so. Yeah, so. Grapple uh, gives this one 3.17. I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah I thought this was... Yeah, so uh, a good start to the main show. And... Kayla Braxton was in the back. She interviewed Trish Stratus, and she thrives under pressure. And the only thing that's hard is waiting for her match, waiting to hear the music. And she said that Charlotte Flair doesn't know how lucky she is. She's going to show her how lucky she is tonight. And Charlotte couldn't walk a mile in her shoes. And if Charlotte is the queen, then, honey, I'm the queen of queens. I think on Twitter, they've actually had like pretty decent back and forth, but I felt like Trish, unfortunately, in this interview, sounded really scripted. Very. And, I, and I thought she, it went a little bit too long without that much personality involved. And clearly, you know, you take a break for, for as long as, as Trish Stratus has, you're not really going to feel, and, and probably stepping into like a pretty different system, you would have to imagine promo wise. Um, it would, it, you kind of have to rely a lot more on just reading your script and then sat, perhaps at the risk of sounding a bit more wooden. Yeah, I mean, uh, of people coming back, like Trish would be in my list of people that I would have no com. Uh, sorry, I would have confidence in just going out easy. This is someone that has done acting, comedy, improv, hosting roles. Like it, to me, she's a very natural talker, and it sounded like she was scripted here. Right, but we don't know. Maybe Trish herself like f- didn't feel as as confident going out there and improvising. Not sure. Second match of the main show, Bill Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler. What did you think of this positioning? I was surprised. You know, I think I thought they'd do this like later. Yeah, I think a Goldberg squash would have been like a nice addition at the end of a show to wake people back up before. But but they were also doing the Bray match. There, yes, exactly. So maybe the distance to keep uh, from that one, and also a Brock match can be very similar too in terms of intensity. So maybe this was the right call. So, uh, for what it's worth, Matt Riddle was on the the watch along, stating he had some run in with Goldberg after the comments he's made on Twitter. And then I guess I didn't see this, but Pat McAfee, I guess that that they caught this on WWE cameras. So th- that that really screams angle alert to me. Yeah. Although I don't know what kind of angle you'd be doing between Matt Riddle and Bill Goldberg. So who knows what you this never was. know. I guess. I mean, it's but possible. Matt Riddle retelling cool. the interaction was pretty damn entertaining. It's the clips out there. Yes. Uh, see it. Don't call me bro. Okay, bro. 
Uh, Ziggler comes out. He cuts a promo, says he's the best thing to happen to professional wrestling. And Goldberg doesn't tend to show up for matches. And he fears Ziggler. And he gets cut off by Goldberg's theme. And he comes out, does the whole Goldberg entrance. Everyone's going nuts for him. And they have a face-off in the ring. And then Ziggler super kicks him and immediately gets a one count. And we're starting things immediately. He hits another super kick. Goldberg kicks out at one. And then he goes for a third super kick. This time he's cut off with a spear. Just a gigantic one. And Goldberg hits the jackhammer and pins Ziggler in a minute 45. Yeah. Didn't overthink it. Nope. This was what the audience wanted. And this was what they gave them. I feel like they've really kind of figured out the Goldberg formula, uh, like with with all the Brock Lesnar matches, you know. Um, but I think it's what a shame they didn't figure this out in two thousand three. Uh, yeah, but like, and for, what I didn't know was whether or not they would give Ziggler anything, or that this would simply be a one way squash. They gave Ziggler like two super kicks to kind of jolt you into getting into the match, and I thought that was already a really nice surprise that, that added a bit more depth, I would say, to this otherwise pretty you know straightforward squash match. Uh, but like, like I think everybody predicted, this was as straightforward as really it could have been. A minute thirty, it was really all we needed. So, you know, um, but they they it, found other ways to drag it out. It's not done yet because Goldberg is leaving when Ziggler gets on the microphone, calling Goldberg a baby, and challenged him again. So Goldberg returns and gives him another big spear. He goes to leave to the back, and Ziggler once again says anybody can get lucky twice. Goldberg doesn't have the balls to face me man-to-man. Goldberg comes back. This time, he runs the ropes and just sends this guy into Scarborough with another spear. And Ziggler is dead, and Goldberg leaves. Let me say this. Goldberg got over big. Mm -hmm. Dolph Ziggler was such a pro. Yep. He did his job above and beyond. This was not a guy with his boo-boo face or not wanting to do anything extra. He knew my job is to make this guy look like Superman. I am bumping my ass off for this guy. Ziggler was fucking awesome. I thought he was great. I thought he's been great this entire program he's, building up Goldberg. I think so too. Yeah. Like, you know, doing it in a very subtle way that they did, I guess using the Sean, the Sean thing as a swerve. I thought Ziggler did a great job uh, and, and he did a great job in these segments. Yeah. I, I think that it was... Yeah, I just thought he he helped make this, and Goldberg was one of the most overstars on the show. Two point oh four from Grapple. I mean, it's, it's it's really hard to rank this as anything. But as a uh, did this work or did this not work? This absolutely worked. I think you know with star ratings, it's it's kind of the unfortunate thing where they're really just designed to rank rate something bell to bell. But in wrestling, you don't just look at things bell to bell. Well, this and what we'll talk about later in terms of ranking the presentation, that this was solid. Yeah. This was solid. It, it achieved what it set out to do. If and this was a five-star thing, there would be something wrong. Five-star suggests, like, I don't know, something like 15, 20, 30 minutes long. That was back and forth. Yeah, and this then that's why you have to go outside that system and say, what was the objective and was it achieved? I mm-hmm. think in spades it was. And it certainly leaves the door open for future stuff with Goldberg, who can be that legendary figure that comes back. He kills. Kills. It certainly uh, rehabs his reputation coming out of uh, Saudi Arabia, and he's, he's a hand now. I would... I would promote his next return for one of the first weeks on Fox. And maybe not the first week. Maybe he appears on Fox, sets up an angle, and does a match on week two or three. I think that would be the time period. I don't think you need to use him until then. New Day is in the back. Uh, Big E and Xavier Woods are with Kofi. And Xavier Woods... um, What... what, How would you describe his hair? Stevie Wonder. Yeah, he was... He was... Here is Stevie Wonder. And... 
they, everybody's cosplaying on this show. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about this one. And they said that they have Toronto royalty here. Drake. Maverick is here. Yes. I thought... So he comes in all dressed up, and he's looking you for... You thought Drake would actually be at this show? I thought that they were going to have Drake Maverick come in. He was going to do his whole spiel. He was going to leave, and the camera was going to pan, and Drake was going to be there. I don't know if Drake is a wrestling fan or not. Um... I don't know. I feel like he would have been a bit of a of a tougher get, but I could have seen this guy if he was in town and a big wrestling shows going on. Yeah, he'd go backstage for a segment like this, man. Not coming I, for this, just he's in the building. Yeah, and they asked uh, him to do something. I, I I feel like he's a bit he's a bit high on the on the on the celebrity list. But well, it depends maybe. if he's a fan or not. Yeah, if he's a fan, maybe you know. I did think overall tonight, like the usage of. The legends, the usage of, you know, the backstage vignettes. I thought they were all pretty, pretty effective tonight. I'm trying to think which ones you're talking about. The Brett. Flair. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That was good. Like I thought all the interactions, they were, they were really good. Yeah. AJ Styles versus Ricochet was next for the United States title. And they went through the the various international commentary teams, including Carmella and R-Truth, all dressed up in costumes as Maverick is down the line searching for them. And this was the extent of the 24-7 stuff. There were no title changes. There was It was just some sketches that I I didn't think really were all that you useful had, uh, on the something, show. something on the kickoff panel as well. That's right. There was a spot where Maverick was on the kickoff panel yeah. and he was looking for them and they were hiding underneath the desk and he didn't see them. Yeah, on a pay-per-view, I don't think you're really going to get anything substantial, nor should you. But I think as comic relief in parts like this where you wouldn't expect them, like the international commentator roll call, I I thought this was cute. Do you sure. think the 24-7 stuff is now going to be back to the focus on them and Maria and Mike are kind of out of that? Spotlight kind of looks like it, judging from this, but I feel like you'll still get to see a bit of Maria and Mike. I, I, I do feel like the stuff with Truth and Maverick, while I think it's been entertaining to me, they need to find more wrinkles in it. It's, I thought they were going to go further with the Maria stuff, but it seems like they wrapped that up. I don't know where you they, revisit. I think that I'd love to see them include more people, if not Maria Canellis, then you know other great comedic performers that they have back there, freshen things up. Because right now, just ping ponging between the both of them, I think it's starting to get a little old. So AJ Styles and Ricochet. Ricochet way, can you explain his outfit? He seemed to be dressed as Nightwing, which is uh, Dick Grayson's character uh, after he retires the role of Robin. Uh, he Or gives up the role of Robin. He becomes Nightwing. Okay. Cool. And no significance to this. It was just Halloween. Dude, I mean, I don't know what the relationship was to Toronto. Like Johnny Gargano as Wolverine, he's Canadian. It makes total sense. This, I don't know. Buzz Lightyear, I don't know. Maybe they went to the costume store and just found a bunch of this stuff. Ricochet started the match with this cool spot where he stepped over on the shoulders of Anderson and Gallows and yeah. delivered a Hurricane Rana to AJ that looked awesome. This was really cool. Very yeah. cool. And then Styles cut him off with a kick to the knee and just worked the knee. And it was really something to watch Ricochet work on his one leg, including a springboard on the left leg that he delivered. And this looked amazing. Yeah. I was, was very really cool. impressed with that. Styles kicked at the knee, went back to working on it, hit an Ushigoroshi, and then I was about to sneeze. You're going to Ushigoroshi? I was about to Ushigoroshi. Uh, Ricochet then fought off Gallows and Anderson as he tried to climb the turnbuckle. And this was like the first noticeable point of the show that I found the audience was like really checked out. Mm -hmm. um, the match was fine, but I think a lot of this. 
the audience wants to see AJ and Ricochet go out and just tear it up. And I don't think they want to see um, a work the body part match. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was, I enjoyed the match, but it ends with Ricochet climbing up, going for the Phoenix Splash, and got caught by AJ with the Styles Clash. And this is a finish he's done in the past with Loki and uh, probably most famously with Kota Bushi and Invasion Attack uh, four years ago. It was the Kenny Omega uh, interference. The one where Omega is just staring at AJ yeah. from behind and kind of just trying to tease something. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was the best executed one. If you want to see that, it's it's breathtaking. This yeah. was super cool, too. Yeah. And he hit the Styles Clash, pins Ricochet in a bit of a surprise. Um, I like the match a lot. It's just the crowd, I, I think, was expecting a different type of match. Yeah, I thought it was a very good technical matchup, but this crowd really didn't latch on to the leg story. Um, and I don't know if it was a feud that's been hot enough for them to do this slower pace of match. I think it was an audience that was looking for something a bit more exciting and not psychological. So, you know, a really cool finish, though. I think that made it worthwhile. Um, but the rest of it really was not uh, not worth checking i mean it was good it was a good match but hardly like wow you have to see this if you just up against other matches very good but what your expectation level was for this match i don't know if it was met it was 12 minutes 54 seconds what did grapple go uh 3.34 okay yeah i to be honest if we were going into this and making predictions i would have had this higher than Mm 3.34 gallows and anderson continued their attack on ricochet so it looks like this will continue i could see something where if they didn't do the blow-off angle with Balor tonight, they could do something where Ricochet needs a partner. It's Balor who goes against the OC, and we get a big angle with the OC taking out Balor, potentially. Yeah, okay. Because that's that a better return angle for Balor and get him away from from Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt and just kind of let that one go. Yeah, because I don't know if you're... I know you had the great idea about the demon returning. I just don't Maybe know. Maybe that's further down the line. Could be. Maybe that's a Mania program. It could be. Uh, the Street Profits were backstage. They're just going over the highlights of the show. No mention of their big title defense from the prior night. It's very weird. Uh, like, they wear the titles, but they are as divorced from NXT as possible on this yeah, show. It's like a- NXT does not exist other than these belts. Yep, not even a recap. Nothing. What had occurred, no commercial or anything like that. It's, it's, it's almost a different world. And Angelo Dawkins is trying to hit on Nikki Cross in his promo. And Ric Flair enters. And let's just say Ric Flair came off much cooler than Seth Rollins did with the Street Profits. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was kind of like the WWE's, to me, like their first acknowledgement of like Flair's popularity and like urban culture and um, putting him with the Street Profits, I thought was excellent. Yes, great. I thought it was, it was brief and it was great. Really good stuff. I could do a weekly segment with these two. Flair with the Street Profits? Yeah. Vignettes out on the town. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff. Bailey versus Ember Moon was next for the SmackDown women's title. Uh, we have been very critical of the buildup to this match. And looks like our thinking on this program was very reminiscent of how many felt in this arena. This crowd was silent for this match. In terms of like star power, I think in terms of build, it felt not counting the kickoff matches. Like let's just look at the main card. This was certainly the weakest one. There was the AJ Ricochet match that I thought, if you just watch that match on mute, I think it's a very good match. And mm-hmm. it's just the crowd did bring it down. This one, you had a dead crowd, and it was a bad match. Yeah, It was the double whammy here. And the audience 
they start to sing the Bailey song, but that quickly died out when they realized it's not 2015 any longer with Bailey. Bailey missed this sliding lariat. And I don't want to just use the word missed because that would be underselling what missed means. I can only compare this to if Bailey was going for a sliding D and a gust of wind entered like a wind tunnel hit her in the Scotiabank arena. If, uh, if an air Canada plane threw her, she flew past Ember Moon and missed by a meter. Yeah, it was pretty good. This was a gigantic uh, miss. Moon got a hold of Bailey, sent her off the shoulders, into it, almost setting her up like a storm breaker that would end in a, a double knees, like a code breaker. Uh, this did not hit very well either. It was very sloppy. Moon then climbed up the turnbuckle and got caught with the Bailey to belly and Bailey pinned her in 10 minutes and two seconds. I thought this was a very poor match. It was a match that certainly died in front of this crowd. You know, in ring, it was not great. I didn't think it was the worst, but I I think it was just a style that was way too ordinary. Not enough to capture your audience's attention, especially for a program that was built as poorly as this one. Like, I think we see in the main event of this particular show, despite a bad build, if you can go out there and have an amazing match, people forget about the bad build. Yep. They had that same task here, and unfortunately, they did not deliver. Which is I, unfortunate, because I, I do see a lot of potential in Ember Moon, yeah. and it seems like there's been times she's caught fire, but then it's just instantly extinguished, and I feel that this, I do not see this program continuing, and I see her kind of becoming a, you know, a, a background player. I, I don't know what they're going to do with her coming out of this because i think she really needed a big outing here and didn't have it it's too bad i i don't think ember comes out of this program better than when she started if anything i think she comes out a little bit worse because she she will be seen as somebody who has been given an opportunity and did not deliver when i don't think that's really the case i don't think i would blame her i i would really more so blame i think the lack of attention that her program was getting before this Th- this was an afterthought program completely yeah, yeah. Next was Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. And, you know, it was this audience. They were into their Canadian stars and they were into big moves. Like there would be quiet periods. But then if they hit a big move, the audience would waken. Oh, awaken. Yes. And then they kind of settle back. Kevin Owens was among the biggest baby faces on this show. Shane comes out first and then it's silent. And it allows the crowd to start chanting for Kevin Owens. I was really glad they let that breathe and then go instantly into his entrance. So it built up. And then when his music hits, the place erupted. He got one of the biggest receptions of the night. Certainly, yeah. I think as a you know Canadian babyface, I have to imagine he's probably the most popular. Oh, I watched this now. entrance. I was like, they can't screw this one up. Yeah. And the fact that he's going up against the heel McMahon, it's a natural rivalry. So... Before the match begins, Shane announces Elias as the enforcer referee on the floor. So he's not the in-ring official. He's on the outside, mm-hmm. which I don't know how much of an advantage that would be, although he would get involved. McMahon attacks Owens with his strikes, making yep. uh, his K-1 career something, the, the, the ultimate what-if. I mean, as a heel, I, I suppose they're, they're quite effective. Owens fought back, but then got distracted by Elias as McMahon did his Toriano roll up from behind. Owens then grabbed a chair, but he couldn't use it because if he used it, the referee would be forced to disqualify him and his career would be over way. So McMahon slapped him. He was taunting Owens, trying to get him to lose his cool and use the chair, but he wouldn't do it. He threw down the chair and then got out of the way as McMahon ran into Elias, knocking him off the apron. 
Shane goes down. Owen hits a swanton, follows up with a frog splash, only gets a two count because Elias pulls the referee down to the floor. Owens then took out both Elias and the referee with a cannonball to the, from the apron to the floor. And then Owens was yanked to the floor and proceeded to attack Elias with a dozen chair shots with five dozen camera cuts. Uh, that's how they, they like to shoot their impact. Yeah. I almost threw up here. Owens had the chair. He's in the ring. The referee is there. He passes the chair to the referee who turns his back to dispose of the chair, allowing Kevin Owens to kick Shane low, hit the stunner, and he wins in nine minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, you know what? Shane is not smooth, but the audience got into this. They were into characters. This was this worked for me. I think they got the finish they wanted, and yeah, Owens wins. I do think the feud will continue, but they gave the right finish here for the crowd. It's not really the match I wanted to see in 2019. Uh, I thought they relied a lot on like old cliched wrestling spots, but I can't deny it worked really well with this crowd. And this was, was not an easy crowd to get behind you. I mean, I think it was a crowd with mm, somewhat. I, I thought it was a tough crowd. Somewhat particular taste. And and I think a lot of the a lot of it depended on star power and maybe you know uh, a hometown advantage and this had both of those things. Uh, Shane McMahon with the uh, as a heel McMahon that I think that was enough to like get the audience to, to boo him. Facing a Canadian, no less. It it again was a very natural thing to uh, be able to boo as a Canadian. So I, I I thought they did a good job establishing the odds against Owens and having Owens defeat those odds. Um, I really thought the the chair shots actually I thought they were well built up to, you know, with the referee being distracted and Owens finally getting the chance to actually use them. The 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 crowd certainly seemed to like them and, and they reacted really big as well. Um Grapple gives this one two point seven one. Ooh. Well they were uh not as into this. I thought I thought this was fine. Like again, not match of the show, but I thought for its place on the show, uh, I thought that this hit more than missed with the crowd. I, I think like the audience was into this from start to finish. So uh, I think it continues and maybe we extend this as far as hell in a cell, but it really seems to be teasing Shane having to put up his career and doing an ultimate blow off. And maybe you don't even wait to hell in a cell. Maybe that's something on Fox or you do a storyline that Shane gets kicked off before SmackDown makes the move or it, it, there's many different ways you can go. But um, I do feel this one can continue and it's been good for Owens. It's really revived him, this feud and being in this babyface role and a sustained one. Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. Uh, we had uh, Trish got a pretty good reaction, but I wouldn't say it was Edge or Kevin Owens level. I thought it was just okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, Edge, I think, had the advantage of being the surprise. Uh, Owens, I guess, seems to be somebody that they're they're even, you know, they're Canadians seem to be taking a bit more seriously. Um, Trish, I think, had to earn a bit of the audience's respect here. The crowd started singing O Canada at the beginning of this. Yep. So that was funny. Flair attempted the figure eight early and Stratus countered out of it. And then Flair had the heat. She was trash talking Stratus who made a comeback and then got nailed with a boot and was cra uh, came crashing off the apron, landing on the floor, like right on her tailbone. I mean, she mm -hmm. took a, she took a hard bump here to the floor. 
Flair then missed with a moonsault from the top, and Stratus attacked her with chops. She attempted her handspring Hurricane Rana in the corner. It got stopped. Charlotte went for a top rope powerbomb, and Stratus countered it in midair with a top rope Hurricane Rana. And that seemed to wake up the crowd. They were very quiet up until the top rope Hurricane Rana spot, and that seemed to be the turning point where they got more into the match. Flair got up and attacked her knee. She went for another figure four, and it was countered with an inside cradle. Then Stratus applies the figure four and bridges up for the figure eight. And yeah. her yoga came in very handy here because she had a hell of a bridge. And we, ha- I, at least to my knowledge, I, I hadn't seen... Have we seen somebody do the figure eight to Charlotte before? I don't recall seeing anyone do it. So I thought this was pretty neat. and um, She couldn't hold Trish. it for the whole time, but it was, it was on for, for enough time. And then... Stratus hit the Stratus faction. That was the big near fall with Flair kicking out. Stratus used more chops, um, threw a chick kick for a two count, and then got up for another chick kick, but was cut off with a big boot. And Charlotte applied the figure four into the figure eight, and Trish was forced to tap at 16 minutes and 38 seconds. I thought that this turned into a really good match by the end. I didn't think it was completely smooth, but uh, and the crowd's energy didn't really feel very The first half, they were... Much lower than I anticipated. I thought this would be one they'd be more up for, yeah. even when we, even what we had seen earlier. But you know, when it was over, I mean, I I looked at this as a very respectable effort from somebody who hasn't had a singles match in thirteen years. They went like a solid sixty minutes that might have not been flawless, but I certainly didn't find myself bored through any of it. Uh, for someone coming off of like that that length of a layoff, I thought Trish was actually really ambitious with a number of her spots. Uh, many things that I feel like I hadn't even seen her do when she originally wrestled. So, um, going into it, I think you and I compared, wondered if this would like be better than Gail Kim versus Tessa Blanchard, which told a very similar story. I don't think it was. I th- I thought that those two had a better match. They also had a better crowd too than this one. I right. Felt. Um, and both in Toronto. Both in Toronto, yeah. I, I didn't think this was like kind of this incredible must-see match, but I thought it was a really respectable effort from somebody who's been away for such a long time. Yeah, certainly not the best women's match of the weekend, but I thought it was, I, I thought it was like a really good match for Trish to legitimately go out on. Yep, I, I like the match. I thought this was one of the better matches on the show today, and as did Grapple because they rated this one three point five. Three point five. Is that our highest so far? I think so. I think Absolutely. so as well. Yes. Yeah, I don't think we've gone higher than three point five. It is higher than Styles and Ricochet. Do you think this is it for Trish? Yes, I do. I think it will be too. I think that she will stick to it. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be. Uh, she might do a rumble appearance or here and there. Cause I don't think she's going to. Well, I think they need bodies all the time, and they're 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 going to want to. I think like people like Bailey, people like Sasha are still going to like try to fight for that dream match, whether it be a tag match with Lita or or uh, singles matches with with themselves. But I don't. Maybe we won't get a singles match again with Trish. I would say if she's not adamant about it. I don't know why she would have made it public this week because it wasn't part of the buildup. It wasn't mentioned on TV. Everybody says that their last match is going to be their last match until it's not. Yeah. I feel maybe I'm being naive about this one, but I I think that this could be one where she's pretty solid on going off and she's going off on a very good note. Well, she stuck to it for quite a bit of time before this. So maybe. Uh, So, yeah. The crowd issues, aside from the early part, I thought they really got going. And yeah, I, I like the match uh, a lot between these two. We go backstage. Seth Rollins has his ribs all taped up. He's preparing for his match. And Bret Hart walks by and wishes him good luck, which was very interesting uh, given, you know, Bret Hart has been very critical in the past of Seth Rollins. And this, to me, was the first indication that they were very worried about Seth Rollins getting a negative reaction tonight and getting the 
ultimate endorsement from a Canadian. Bingo. I think that was the pure reason for this uh, inclusion of Bret Hart, who was in town for the for the meet and greet that they were doing. Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton for the WWE title. We start off the match, and the crowd is chanting, Kofi's stupid, Randy sucks. This surprised me. I, I mean, not so much the Randy sucks, but the I'm honestly surprised at the Kofi's stupid chance because I haven't really felt any backlash to Kofi prior no. to this. Certainly, I wouldn't expect it in Toronto. So... You know, maybe it's just a crowd that really likes Orton, or maybe it's a crowd that's been disappointed by Kofi Kingston's output since WrestleMania. I I didn't notice this. Like, this, it's not how I heard it, but I totally understand how it was heard like this. Um, it was David Bixen's band that pointed it out that the way it came across, you could hear the crowd where it sounded like they were chanting, Kofi's stupid and he sucks. But they were chanting, oh, Randy sucks. Randy but you can sucks, totally yeah. see how they were just, it was like the double negative on Kofi. I mean, I think it's also the fact that, yeah, obviously, stupid, stupid, stupid is the theme of this program. Yes. And Randy Orton has delivered his lines in such an entertaining way. It makes you want to cheer him over Kofi Kingston. Yeah, I was surprised. Kofi, I was not expecting to get that kind of reaction. Uh, we should also point out that Kofi's family was in the front row. And they would uh, play, play, be involved somewhat in the finish. Orton got dropped, uh, or Orton dropped Kofi onto the announcer's desk, had control of Kofi. Uh, the crowd, again, they just, like, checked out at points in this one. They were down for a lot of this. Orton had a cut on his on his forehead, and he's shutting down Kofi. Kofi hit a tornado DDT that stunned Orton briefly. Then Orton set up for the draping DDT and was back, body dropped to the floor. Kingston hit a trust fall, and Orton made his comeback, set up for the RKO. Kingston avoided it, went for a high cross, and was caught in midair with an RKO, which was definitely the high point of the match. Yep. Looked cool. And then the audience reacted to that. Again, a big spot. They they showed life, but then they would kind the of just settle. I mean, Toronto, I think, is a, you're right, is a very tough crowd to, to impress, especially on a weekend like this when we've seen so much wrestling. You need to do something spectacular to get the audience's attention. And having a standard Randy Orton match that, you know, was quite slow-paced, and for that matter, a standard Kofi Kingston WWE-style match is not really going to do it. Like, I, I can see how performers could be frustrated by a crowd like this. Like, if you're trying to lay out a story... And it's just, it's a crowd that's pretty much give me moves. Yep. Like that, that well, was, no, that was the message yeah, I got tonight. It's a crowd that really wants story too, but, um, AJ and Ricochet had a cool story laid out. I just don't think it was the match the audience wanted. Maybe. And you can debate like it's, is that the fans fault or do the performers you adjust to the crowd you're given? Like that's, mm. that's ultimately what the, the art of this is. Kingston rolls to the floor after the RKO. So Orton cannot pin him. And Orton gets into the face of his family and Kofi roars and he fires up attacking Randy and the bell rings. We're not hearing any count. It just double count out, presumably, because they never announced it. This ends at 16 minutes and 27 seconds. And rightfully so, this crowd chants bullshit. They hated this. I thought this late in the show to do a match 16 and a half minutes and you give them this finish you asked for this reaction. So yeah. I had no problem with the crowd reacting as they did because they really just uh, uh, doing this so late in the show with a bullshit finish. I, I didn't expect anything less from this crowd to react like this. This was really weak. I thought it was a match that ultimately really hurt Kofi. You know, it was a, it was a match where the audience was beginning to turn on him anyway. And all, the spot at the end was Kofi escaping the feet by rolling to the floor. So he's, he, he then basically keeps his, belt because of a DQ or double count of finish, um, I thought it made Kofi end up looking kind of stupid. 
Kingston then grabbed a kendo stick and beat Randy with the kendo stick and hit him with a trouble in paradise. And that's how it finished. So it looks like some kind of weapons match, something for Clash of Champions, maybe. Perhaps, sure. You know, I, I, or it could have just been like the kendo stick beating is kind of what they do to give their baby faces some type of edge these days. And they decided to give it to Kofi Kingston here, perhaps to make him look kind of cool after ultimately like suffering, a, I don't know, like a pretty shitty way exit out of like a, a, a title re- retention. It did I, lessen the boos. Like they did at least stop booing when I the, don't think it was enough because by the end here, like, Kofi hit his trouble in paradise to Orton, and this crowd just booed him. So I felt like they solidly turned Co- the crowd on yeah. Kofi Kingston in this match, which is so dis- disappointing because this was the one program that they built up really well. Yeah. So I was expecting a whole lot more uh, coming out of this. I was, ex- I thought, I feel like they should have just executed the the title change to give the crowd something com- coming out of it. Maybe they they just they want to save that for later. Yeah, I I didn't think this really worked at all, and you got a terrible finish. Grapple gives us 2.33. Yeah. Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt. After this, Balor comes out. The lights go out. And a new music begins. It's a remixed version of Bray's old theme song. And Bray proceeds to deliver one of the coolest entrances in a WWE setting in years. He comes out. he's He's got the lantern with his old face. That's got like a light on it. He's got like the severed head of Bray Wyatt turned into a lantern, stretched Did over. Did it read a "Help lantern. Me" on the forehead? Uh, I don't think so. But it was fucking dark for a WWE, you know, PG PG thirteen type of show, and it was awesome. This entrance was so incredible. I thought it was like one of the coolest things WWE has done in years. I thought this entrance yeah. was a grand slam. They had, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say a home run, but sure, John. Uh, grand no, the slam. bases were loaded here. This was SummerSlam. It meant a little more, more. It was already cooler than the Demon's entrance. And I think like the next time, I mean, if they've managed to protect this, which I don't think they are really able I to. I told you, they should, this guy should not be coming out every week to this. This should be a special attraction. I mean, it's. I think it's the type of entrance that could be as as cool as an Undertaker level type of entrance, if given the proper treatment. Maybe a bit more. I don't know, special special effects or whatnot. But just like the 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 song is excellent. Like we didn't even know that we were going to get a remix of this like old Bray Wyatt theme. But it's like, so cool. It, it it sounds great, perfect for like the kind of this refreshing of his new character. Uh, so he ends up wrestling in the mask. And he wears a singlet with with the striped pants. It's a cool look. This mask looks awesome. The amount of money they can make around Halloween with this thing is just amazing. Definitely, It's such a cool character. Uh, Wyatt immediately attacks uh, Finn and goes for the standing arm triangle, sends Balor to the mat. He twists Balor's neck like he snaps it. Uranagi, and then he's going for the sister Abigail when Balor countered and fought back. Balor hit the shotgun dropkick and then climbed to the top for the coup de grace, but got caught with the mandible claw, and it was the uh, the Ebray D claw. What? It was it was similar to the EBD claw. Oh, thanks. All right, yeah, mandible claw. He pins Balor. Three minutes twenty eight seconds. I thought this was great. I think the Bray Wyatt thing again. It's any. Doubts I have had, my expectations have been exceeded, and they have continued to do a great job. And I think there's a fantastic story one day of Bray Wyatt literally saving his career. 
with this character, which he appears to have done. When that Bray Wyatt character was going down a dead end, and he's just, at this point, on this day, feels like such a great character. Yeah, I think the biggest question to me was how this was going to look in ring. Because like, even the early Bray Wyatt, uh, uh, Wyatt Family videos were cool. That song was cool. The entrance was amazing. But I think when it got to in-ring, like, there was something that was missing. It got a little boring. And I wondered if they would fall into that same trap with this new uh, uh, Fiend character. I think the strength is that they, you know, much like Goldberg, they kept it short enough to be effective. Any longer, and the Fiend would have just been another guy. He's also in much better shape. You can see. Like, he's yeah, definitely sure. lost weight. You know, I, I, and I'll say, like, I, I was also looking for, like, what... And this is the challenge that the Demon has. How can you wrestle as the Demon so so much differently and so much more powerfully than somebody like Finn Balor? You can really on, only do so much if you're a human being, right? I would say, like, his in-ring style as the Fiend isn't completely different from, like, Bray Wyatt, but at least not to, like, a level of intimidation you would expect from somebody billed as, like, a paranormal creature, but... I, I certainly think it's in their best interest to keep these matches short for now. The the mandible claw totally works. It's it's perfect for the character. You have Foley like putting it over really strong with that history. The entrance really works. They certainly have a hit on their hands. I thought this was one of the best things on the show. This was I, I don't think I could have come up with a better concept idea. I, I just thought everyone involved with this deserves such a round of applause. I thought this was just a tremendous Tremendous presentation. Grapple gives this particular match 3. Point, oh, wait, sorry, 2.75. Yeah, again, this is one where I'm not rating it on match quality. This had so much more impact for what it was. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to see these guys go out for 15 minutes. I think that would have been so counterproductive to what they were trying to do. So this, to me, was a very high point on the show. The lights just flicker. Braid disappears and cuts to black. And then we're left with Balor alone in the ring and the audience chanting, that was awesome. Which is the only thing, this character is so cool, it's really hard for this guy to be a heel. Like, this this was, this guy is just, it's such a cool but presentation. That, I, but I think that's totally fine. You know, like, Darth Vader is really cool, but he's still a heel. And you could still tell to stories with that character in a villainous role, uh, even if the crowd is chanting. Yeah, there's ways you can do it. And... Yeah, it's just, it's such a cool presentation. It leaves Finn Balor kind of just in this position. Like, Finn really gets. Yeah, and he's not laid out. Uh, he's still conscious. So I don't know if they're setting up the, the departure just yet coming out of this, uh, but it could come pretty soon. Maybe they do it with the OC. I think they tease that. Maybe that's somewhere they go with it on TV. And then the main event. It's only around 10 p.m. as we're getting ready for the main event. And I think everyone is assuming we're going to get some kind of big angle or something on this show that's going to extend it. But again, as we mentioned, there was no Roman Reigns on this show. They did not have anything involving him. So we just went right to the main event. Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins for the Universal title. Rollins hits a stomp within the first minute of the match. Lesnar kicks out. Lesnar comes back for a German suplex and Rollins lands on his feet, multiple super kicks, goes for the stomp, he gets hit with the F5. And Lesnar then lifts up Rollins by the tape on his ribs and proceeds to turn him around like an airplane, just spinning him in circles. I was going to say like a, like the handles of, of a bag of rice. Yes, there you go. <laughs> it, this was quite the visual. On the floor, Rollins sent Lesnar into the post multiple times and follows with a springboard knee in the ring, then misses with another springboard and gets just launched with a German. 
Lesnar then attacks the ribs using a bear hug as Heyman is just grinning from ear to ear watching Lesnar destroy this man's ribs. And then he drives Rollins into the corner repeatedly. Lesnar runs at Rollins, misses, and he goes shoulder first into the post, allowing Rollins to fire up, going for a suicide dive, and he's caught and driven again into the post. His ribs have to be destroyed at this point. But he keeps fighting back, and he fights Lesnar, sets him up on a table, and then Seth climbs to the top. And he leaps off the post onto Lesnar on the table on the floor. This was a super cool looking spot. It made no goddamn sense. Yeah, I mean, the frog splash usage at the very end here is, you know, the way they explain it is that he's sacrificing himself. He sacrificed it. He, How did he, he sacrifice himself? Well, despite the fact that it hurt so much, he used the, the weight of his body to defeat his opponent because it was the only way he knew how to beat Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar was to jump from a really high place with his It wasn't just a splash to the floor. He then brings him into the ring and hits another frog splash yeah. inside the ring. I know. Listen, it's like for, I think for like maybe classic fans of psychology, something like this is going to bother everybody. I just accept it as like something that's, that's part of like Seth Rollins or maybe WWE's particular style. You can what was argue- wrong with an elbow drop? Elbow drop still hurts your ribs, man. Like, diving from the top rope will hurt your ribs no matter what. It might not give direct impact like a frog splash might. But why go to the extent where you're just, like, thumbing your nose at the whole story of the match? Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. But I also, like This was a great match. But I also look at this crowd's reaction for those frog splashes, and they loved all of it, you know? So I, I, I think... I personally, I can overlook it. To me, it's the same thing as like watching a New Japan match and like, how can a dude no sell like a German suplex and deliver the lariat and then and then no sell that one and then come back only to sell those moves five ten seconds later? You know that shit makes no sense either. I but, find it a big difference though to be coming back from something versus voluntarily doing something like that to yourself. Well, I mean, again, I look at the crowd reaction, and this crowd loved it. They did love this. This was super hot, and. He hits the frog splash in the ring. He sets up for another stomp, runs at Lesnar, who lifts him up for the F5. He blocks it. Rollins super kicks Lesnar and then hits the match-ending stomp, pinning Brock at 13 minutes and 20 seconds. It was a great match. It was a great main event. I was worried that the audience, especially after Kofi, would be very negative on Rollins. That was not the case. These guys worked their asses off. There was no time to be negative on Seth Rollins. If these two had a match with like chin locks and that was just as slow as Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston, I think you would have seen, you would have definitely heard a bit of something. But this was like high energy throughout. I think the best type of Brock Lesnar match that you've been used to. Um, you know, just like one big guy beating the shit out of a smaller guy. It's exactly what we want to see out of a Brock Lesnar match. And then we see the smaller guy use spectacular moves to beat Brock Lesnar. Great energy throughout. One of the better Brock Lesnar matches I think we've seen in in a while. Um, Rollins was so good in this match that I think all those concerns of him getting booed, all the bad promos that we've been seeing, to me, they're they're forgotten. Like, we forgive you, Seth. You're cool again because, you, you know, you were great in this match. So... It, the crowd loved it, and I thought they were totally with this match from beginning to end. Yeah, I think this ended up being the match of the show. Would you agree? Absolutely, I would. And I think Grapple agrees, too, because they gave this one three three 3.91. We didn't even hit a 4. Wow, interesting. Um, it's a high bar. It is a very high bar, which I can respect. Um, yeah, uh, 
Ribs aside, that bothered me, but I still thought this was the match of the show. It was a solid main event. Seth Rollins wins, and uh, it'll be interesting what they do with Brock because they did air the Clash of Champions ad, and Brock was featured in the ad. So I don't know if that means for sure he's on the show. Maybe tomorrow we'll find out. But I don't know if you can go back to another Seth-Brock match. I think you want to kind of cool it, but I also don't know who you have ready for Seth at this point. Um... Yeah, we shall see. You know, certainly nobody on the level of a Brock Lesnar, but we we are approaching yeah, B level pay per view coming up, so maybe you can give a chance to some of these other guys for a bit. Uh, I I don't know if I want to see another Brock Lesnar title match uh, in any way. Well, you're probably going to at at some point his income. Hey, phone lines are open right now. If especially if you attended the show, or if you just want to give your thoughts on uh, what you thought of SummerSlam this year. Call us, one 4423 Long-distance charges may apply. Or you can search for Post Wrestling within Skype to connect to us for absolutely zero dollars. And I promise you, we will not have as many phone line issues this week. Fingers crossed. I'm not going to jinx myself like we jinxed ourselves last week. Where are your thumbs on this show? Um, Thumbs... Middle. I'm in the middle as well. There was some really good stuff on this show. There was also some really bad stuff on this show. And this was, um, you know, the the crowd definitely affected a lot. So Mm -hmm. I I can't say it was a a tremendous crowd. But they had their moments, but they were were down for a lot too. But I don't necessarily completely blame the crowd. You know, it wasn't necessarily... No, I'm just saying that that's what it was. That that was it. So There uh, were matches that were okay, you know? I will say this. This show did not drag for me. I thought that outside of that opening hour of the kickoff sure it wasn't what, all that coffee it could have been that coffee but hey if realistically the show started at six fifteen and we were done by ten thirty, that is a perfectly acceptable length uh yeah. four hours and 15 minutes that is a perfectly acceptable length this for show, a summer slam this show almost ended at ten thirty, and you and i were both wondering if they're going to shoot uh, like a reigns brian angle coming off of it nothing uh, nothing we started our post show at like ten forty five, and it's only 12, 12 o'clock right now i can still uh, live a bit of my day. Yeah. I we, can, we can grab a drink after this. Let's do it. It sounds fun. All right. We'll go to the forum now. Again, if you want to call in, uh, we will be taking your calls uh, from now until the end of the show. But on a scale of 1 to 20, uh, does this go over or under 13? So what would that be, John? 6.5? Does it go over 6.5 out of 10? Uh, well, I put 1 to 20 as the ranking here. Right. I'm just converting it but yeah 6.5 does it go over 13 i'm gonna say yes man 13.05 wow okay (laughs) that's amazing all right right on the dot yeah so it gets a passing grade from our forum which are notoriously tough rankers as as tough as grapple i would say i guess so yes hey let's get to our first phone call here hanzi who recently celebrated a birthday hanzi what did you think of SummerSlam? Oh, dude, uh, I think it was amazing. Yo, um, listen, I, I'm I'm like watching the live stream right now as you guys are doing this, so I'm going to rewind it to listen to most of the review. I just wanted to call in because I was there live. I, I don't know if you guys were there live. Were you guys there live? No, we were not. Oh, okay, no, that's fine. But first of all, before I get into my SummerSlam thoughts, I just want to say that uh, post-wrestling fandom uh, uh, rec room, because me and Davey and Abraham connected, and we were just talking about post-wrestling. The, hey, the, the wait majority. a second. Yeah, I heard about this. I heard about this. Uh, there was Busted Open had a live show in Toronto as well. Uh, Busted Open, who, who or, or a podcast, or, or a series. On Sirius XM. XM. XM radio show. Uh, it was not occurring at the same time as ours, but knowing that both you, Hansi, and 
Damian Abraham were in town. Where were your attendances for post wrestling no, no. live in Toronto? Well, 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 no, no. Listen, man, I, I, I felt really bad because I didn't have my SummerSlam plans finalized, and I really did, I really did want to come to your show, man. I, I, I did periscopes about it. People were asking me, "You go to John and Wayne's thing?" And I'm like, "Yo, I really want to go, but they're probably sold out. I don't want to." Okay, let's so, them with- Hansi, I, I'm, I'm, we're just playing around with you. Like, I, you have a great excuse. Damien Abraham, however, no excuse. Did not even message us. I thought he was out of town. Well, yo, he did. Yo, he did say he did say that uh, he's coming to O'Grady's tomorrow. Oh, so, you know, is he? That so, will redeem deem him. Okay, that so. will that will redeem Damian Abraham. His attendance is mandatory now at O'Grady's Tap and Grill Monday night, one seventy one College at McCall. Hansi, will we be seeing you on Monday night? Well, if if I can get raw, if if I can get raw tickets, I'm coming for 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 sure. Okay, fair but, enough, fair enough. But, if if you get but, raw but, tickets, no, but, go and enjoy the show. Yeah, okay, but, in uh, fairness, yeah. I don't know how many people how, if we would have even been able to fit Damien in anyway at this point. Uh, like just because like we we like they told us it would be like a fire code thing. Yeah, so we were. Well, uh, yo, well uh, yo, I'm glad that you guys sold out. I'm glad that Davey and uh, uh, Braden sold out. You know, it's it's amazing for post wrestling. So I'm glad that all you guys had successful live shows. Um, thank you, so, Hansi. Thanks, Hansi. Yeah, um, but the SummerSlam thoughts. Um, I thought NXT was a, a lot better. I enjoyed that, but. I can't say that I hated SummerSlam. Obviously, I no, no, no. I was, I was looking forward to the Kofi and Randy Orton match the most. I was disappointed by that. Seth Rollins and Brock, I wasn't really looking forward to, but that match was like the match of the night. Um, mm-hmm. I can't believe that Randy Orton was getting more cheered than Kofi. Actually, it was actually kind of amazing. I was disappointed in Toronto, but the most over guys, um, live at least, Bray Wyatt and uh, and Kev- Kevin Owens. To me, those guys were the most like over uh, current guys. Trish Stratus obviously got cheered like heavily when she was leaving the ring and all that, but. Uh, Kevin Owens and Bray Wyatt, man, the, those two reactions were insane for me. Like it, it felt like like fans were really, really, really buying into these guys and all that. So, um, you know, I didn't really enjoy the Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon match. I'm just glad it was over. But the Bray Wyatt, everything, I, I caught what you guys were saying on the live feed. The 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 the, the, the performance, the fucking, uh, oh sorry, the uh, the. Um, You're gonna get us kicked off the, the air, Hansi. No, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. The uh, the Waiting Broadcasting Standards Council. Yeah, yeah, but so yeah, basically, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll listen back to your review, guys, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I just wanted to call in with my initial thoughts. You know what I mean? And uh, I ca- I was I'm glad that I caught it live uh, as you guys are going to. Call. Well, okay, thank you very much, Hansi. We're we're gonna get to another call. Uh, right, take it easy, brothers. Thanks, Hansi. Take, take care. Alrighty, let's keep going. Yeah, uh, so uh, please call in if you don't uh, get uh, uh, anybody picking up. It's it's only because we only have that this one line. So please keep trying. We want to get to as many of your thoughts and opinions as possible on this edition of the uh, post wrestling post show. Do you want to go to the forum for uh, something? Yeah, let's uh, let's start things off on the forum with Brandon from Oshawa. I'm just waiting for people to start complaining about Bray's lantern being a decapitated head. It has to happen. It's 2019. People are already complaining about the next snap. I thought it was all brilliant. The presentation was phenomenal. I wish Finn got zero offense and Bray just murdered him, but I hope they don't blow it now because it's about the coolest thing on the show. I know the coolest thing isn't Seth Rollins. That's for damn sure. He's so lame right now. I wish they had kept the title on Lesnar and built to Lesnar and Owens. Owens is easily the number one babyface in the company. They actually should have built that as the title match for this show. I think the atmosphere would have been off the charts. Since Rollins won, though, I'd like to see him 
I'd like to see the show end with The Fiend laying him out. They need to go all in on this character right now. I don't think he should be going into a title program right now. I still think you're establishing this character. Hmm. And I think that requires you to do the full match. And and I think you you still have to... There's no rush to do this with, with Bray at the moment. But you do need some heel with him. And whether that's a rematch with Lesnar or someone we're not thinking about, that's... And, and you've got guys on the sidelines, too, that were not featured on this show. You've got the SmackDown roster as well. you got the SmackDown roster. Um, what, where, where's Braun going to be coming after this? He was not featured on this show. Um, mm-hmm. He needs some program as well. So Let's go to our next caller. You are on the line. What's up? MJ is back in New York. Wow, you're already MJ. back. This wow. is crazy. We saw you this afternoon, and now you're in another country. New York. Uh, one more time. The... Yes. Oh, you there? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yep. Landed, was able to catch SummerSlam. And to my surprise, I was done by a Oh, man. That was awesome. In what? hindsight, I wish I would have stayed. Okay. Uh, unfortunately... <laughs> I must have jinxed ourselves, John, because I tested this shit and everything was supposed to be perfect. But, okay, your connection might not be very good, MJ. So we're going to have to drop you. And let's get to another. All right, let's go to Laura from Vancouver. She says, the true superstars of the night were the Scotiabank Arena crew who were told the pre-show started at 6.30, so had to scramble to get everyone in fast when they opened the doors at 5 p.m. Despite the line, I was at my seat at 5.15. So that's an interesting tidbit. Uh, yes. It sounds like this kickoff they probably thought was the 6 p.m. start time. Right, okay. Even though, or stating here, the pre-show they thought started at 6.30, so that's kind of interesting. The show was exactly what I expected, a very good set of mid-card matches with a glaring weakness in the main event section, especially given how Orton Kofi ended and Seth Rollins essentially no-selling his ribs. Perhaps time aside, I do feel the main event section was missing something with the Reigns-Brian match being taken off, especially since they ran no angle and neither man even made an appearance, baffling given SmackDown ended on that angle. That said, Becky Natty and Trish Charlotte were fantastic. Bray's new entrance in music is incredible. Loved using the mandible claw as a pinning maneuver. Very good show and could have been great. Thank you both for an awesome Q&A and it's great to meet you. Thank you. It was nice to meet you, Laura. Laura was one of our prize winners. Yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, we got a Sean from Toronto. Actually, before Sean... We're going to try this one more time. MJ. Oh, never mind. Let's go to Sean from Toronto. Sean from Toronto says, first, nice meeting you at the live event. Yes. I actually don't have much to complain about the show itself, but I'm getting fed up with the Toronto crowd chanting for the sake of chanting. Hated the Kofi stupid chant. I got further annoyed by a group of loud and drunk marks sitting behind me. My favorite moment was actually the new slash old entrance for Bray Wyatt, including the remix metal theme and the severed head lantern. They're definitely doing the fiend right for now. Next up here, we go to JT. So I only watched live tonight because my sleeping pattern is a train wreck, but holy crap, was it worthwhile. I really enjoyed the whole card and nothing really dragged, even if it was completely great. Rollins and Lesnar had a match of the year contender in the main event and what might be the best match in WWE this year, hands down. I loved it. And I hope one day to find someone who looks at me like Paul Heyman looks at Brock Lesnar when he's suplexing people into next week. I want to experience love like that. Also, The Fiend is badass. I'm excited for what's next for him. Great show. We'll go to Jamie from Royal Leamington Spa who says, Firstly, thanks for all the coverage these past two weeks in the face of an endless, endless stream of wrestling. It's been fantastic coverage all through July and August. Well, thank you, Jamie. And uh, you've been doing great in that uh, G1 
uh, contest, which, by the way, we will announce the winners of tomorrow. I'm so excited. Actually, someone was trying to hit me up asking, do you know who the winner is? And I said, I don't know who the winner is. I don't is. know who the winner is. Oh, I thought you did know. No, I oh, don't. It's a big secret. Yeah. I can't wait. He says, this show was kind of there. Becky and Natalia and Charlotte and Trish were the standouts for me. Bray was great, but there was a lot of filler on the show. It really feels like WWE lacks spark and originality right now. It's remarkable how fresh Bray f- felt. Low lights were the Kofi Randy finish and the lack of memorability. I don't know what's next, but I also increasingly struggle to care. Let's try this one Let's more time. Let's do it. Time. Let's do it. I think this is going to work. MJ from NJ, are you there? Still here. Still in America. Wonderful. Wonderful. We can hear you. Did you get a chance to watch SummerSlam? I did. So I landed. I got home. I started the show about a half hour after start time, 7 o'clock. Okay. I was done by 11, pleasantly surprised. In hindsight, I wish I would have stayed because I was guarding against the six-hour show and needing to commute tomorrow back to the city. Um, good show. Great show, actually. Uh, more good than bad. Yep. A lot of high points in the show and stuff I wish I would have seen. So from that perspective, like that's kind of how I was judging the show. Did I wish I was there? Yeah, I think especially like it seemed that those that were there live thought the Bray entrance was super cool, but I think it really came through on TV as well as a really awesome entrance that he had as well. But yeah, I I talked to so many people this week and their biggest turn off to SummerSlam was the length of the show. And it turned out, you know, still a sizable time if you're getting in there ahead of five o'clock or getting in there between five and five thirty and you're there for five plus hours. It's still a lengthy time, but man, nothing like I think what you would have been anticipating where. I mean, I thought we'd be coming in 11 o'clock p.m. plus. Yeah, so I did too. That that was a big, and, and I think they could really learn from that, that these shows, tonight was their first big show in this network era, or at least last couple of years, where I think they hit the time and no one was complaining about the length after. Yeah, and I thought, I think, you know, in the build up to this, you saw a great restraint. The fact that they did not just rush to put that Roman uh, Brian match on the show, and the fact that they decided to put a lot of the matches that were supposed to be on the show on TV. This could have been a 15 match show. Oh, absolutely. No problem. Because they had that many programs going. And in the past, like for WrestleMania, we've seen them just l- unload everything on. And I, I think, I hope that they take a, a lesson from this particular experiment and say, Less is more. It's it's it was the biggest complaint coming out of WrestleMania, and I think it's 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 you know it it'll fix the other problem too of an, of the TV shows not meaning enough. Put all the all that fat, all that filler onto your TV. You also have the benefit that it's not just taking all the same players from SummerSlam and repackaging their programs and feuds and rematches for September. You've got a lot of matches and stars that we didn't see this month that you can now put on September. Yep. It's not a mandate that you put every star on every pay-per-view every four weeks. Yeah. You can skip cycles and hey roman was off this month yeah. he's going to be featured next month brian versus rowan to me to me is a, is a brian roman yes is to me is a perfect main event for your next show and and you're not doing a rematch any other thoughts mj yeah just uh, the the spacing of the show the pacing of the show everything had a chance to breathe and that is a less is more um recipe right there i thought that was well done trish looks great goldberg looked great and uh the bracing was Probably one of the more memorable things we'll see this year in wrestling. Uh, great weekend, guys. You did fantastic. Uh, the BDE was fantastic. You did fantastic too, awesome. MJ. Uh, thank, yeah, thanks well, for th- thank you for for amateur hour. But uh, thanks for lending your hotel uh, room for the the official uh, uh, post wrestling uh, NXT Up Next post show. Getting to see Braden and Davey do a show live 
uh, really cool, really cool. They're pros, and I was impressed. Uh, I am impressed when I listen all the time, but getting to see it live was different. Um, take care, keep up the great work, and I'll see you down the road. Thanks. It was great seeing you this weekend, MJ. Thanks for everything. See you, MJ. All right, let's go to Adam from the street, who was also at our show today. Yes. I don't think Becky has gotten a reaction like she had tonight since before Mania. Think about where the two women in the curtain jerker were last year. Remember? Sunglasses? Get well soon? Ruby Riot? I don't remember any of these references. Sunglasses? Was that Jim? Was that Jim? Neidhart? Oh, that was the Jim Neidhart sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. Get well soon, Ruby Riot. Yes. Trisha's interview after Becky's match was the most comfortable she sounded since 2006. And Doug Heffernan is the king of queens. She called herself the Queen of Queens. Okay, what was Trisha's interview after Becky's match? Uh, the one where she talked about being the Queen of Queens. This was before the that match. That was before the match. After Becky's match, before her own match. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yes. I think uh, she had... I don't know. I, I disagree, personally. I think she had the match of the night, while The Fiend had the performance of the night, and Goldberg made me howl. The only thing missing was Dolph flying out of his boots. Was there too much Sean, though, in the promo pack before Ziggler's match? Why not just show Monday's angle? Did you guys see Braun throw out the first pitch at the Jays game on Thursday? They showed footage of his dad when he used to play. The Jays should think of picking him up. What would you guys do for a Klondike bar? Yeah, that's the contest they're doing. What would you do for a Klondike bar? For the Jays? No, for WWE. They're I'm do- so they- confused. Yeah. Let's just lot. move on. There's there were, a lot there were, here. Oh, there were a lot of uh, thoughts in, the, in this uh, <laughs> paragraph. We got a curse from Pennsylvania who says, I was going back and forth on how I felt about the show for most of the night, but the last two matches solidified it as a thumbs up for me. Everything about The Fiend was perfect, including the fact that he uses the glove with hurt on it to deliver the mandible claw. Finn also did a great job of selling how terrifying this character is. I thought Rollins was excellent in the main event. There were noticeable boos towards him during the introductions, but he had everybody behind him by the finish. I love the intensity of the match, and hopefully Rollins can put his rough spring behind him and have a good run with the title. Really, my only complaint is that we're probably going to get another boring 20-minute Orton match at the next pay-per-view, but way more good than bad to a 16 out of 20 show for me. All right, Jalen from Pickering is coming out with four observations. He says, What I've learned this weekend, people complain online, yet crowds always get sucked into Brock matches. Brock is an Ishii-level seller and still one of the best wrestlers in the world when he wants to be. Brock's great. He's not Ishii-level. No one is. Crowds don't care about injuries being sold if they get to see frog splashes and Panama sunrises, and Bray Wyatt's presentation has been perfect since his return. (laughs) Uh, 14 out of 20. Okay, yeah. Uh, We got a cash who says... 14 out of 20 show, there's a lot to enjoy. Bray can't complain about Slipknot not doing his entrance anymore. The remix was fire. Saskatchewan's finest usually brings it, and he did during the main event. Rollins really good too, and isn't getting the respect I feel he deserves. The Nightwing ring gear was also cool, and I bet Ricochet hates Rick Grayson too. That I don't really get. Oh, okay. Joey from Queens. While the city of Toronto was worth the price of admission, SummerSlam itself was very middle of the road. I got into the main event more than I anticipated, and the Orton-Kofi match was good until the bullshit finish. But other than that, everything was pretty meh. The match I liked the least was Ember Moon-Bailey. Outside of We Want Sasha Chance, you could hear a pin drop in that place. Okay show, slightly better than last year's, based solely on the absence of Baron Corbin, but not as much as of a, of a fun live experience that WrestleMania was, even if it was shorter. He gives us 12 lost American tourists out of 20. Andrew from Cape Breton says, I got to watch the show late due to work, but it was a pain to watch the network anyway. I do like WWE Network's new design, but as I was told by the at Ask WWE Network account on Twitter, it doesn't work with Chromecast yet. I'm hoping it will happen in the future. 
I even resorted to the nefarious means network to see some of the show, and it was okay. The two highlights of what I saw were The Fiend and Seth Rollins. The Fiend is obvious, but with Seth, he went from being a babyface who was getting booze to getting massively cheered in the end based solely on his in-ring performance. Sometimes it feels WWE puts way too much effort into having a creative team when all you would really need is to have one or two guys pitch ideas and let the wrestlers do the rest. Seth has looked like a goof for over a month, but it didn't matter because of how talented he is. Imagine if he was outside of WWE and wrestling in the G1. Um, I'll say on my interface, it does... It is Chromecast compatible, but I I had not on the app. Oh, I thought this was in general through desktop. Oh, okay, the desktop you can do it, but not through any other. Not at the moment. Wow, that's annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, Next up here we have uh, Ben who writes. Since my mate James went to SummerSlam 92, it's always been our favorite pay-per-view. But what was this? A completely average show with nothing particularly special. I did enjoy Ricochet and AJ, and for the first time in forever, I think they might have got it right with Bray. The best thing about this event, though, was it ending at 3.30 a.m. This is in the UK. Kicking my mates out of my house before 5 was a real joy. Thank you, WWE. Otherwise, completely forgettable show. So there you go. Not Not as high a review. We got a Chris who says, The network really affected my experience tonight. It kept freezing and fast-forwarding the whole way through. Really wish they hadn't updated updated the app right before a big show. Fiend was the best thing that happened to WWE in the WWE. Sorry, the best thing to happen in the WWE this weekend. I loved it. Yeah, this was a major problem for people. And I'm sure there will be a lot of fallout from this about... um, So I'm guessing TakeOver... Didn't have this demand? I didn't hear TakeOver having the similar problems. Like, this was so widespread. I mm. mean, certainly you probably had a significantly bigger audience, and it, it obviously couldn't handle it. Charles from Brampton. It was truly a pleasure attending your live show today. Thank you, Charles, and getting yeah. the chance to meet you both in person. Thank you for all your hard work, dedication, and professionalism. He says, for SummerSlam, it wasn't the greatest. In comparison to last night's TakeOver, I wasn't at all glued to the TV. Many of the outcomes were predictable, and it was unfortunate not seeing guys like Black, Brian, or Joe on the show. Oh, the woes of the oversaturated main roster. My highlights, though, were the Charlotte-Trish match, a very impressive return, and the in-ring debut of The Fiend with a killer entrance and new moveset. Gives us uh, 10 Matt Waymans out of 20. Yeah, that was... <laughs> that was a thing from today. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you too, Charles, as uh, as it was to, to meet a, a lot of our, our patrons who not only met us and then re- like took the time to write feedback on our show That's today. Awesome. So you, we've all had a very long day. But, uh, John, I want to thank you for always uh, being a great partner and uh, talking to me for hours and hours and hours throughout the course of these 24 hours. And uh, by extension, talking to all of you. So. We've come so far from me getting a text message uh, saying, we good for 9 a.m. after we had just watched uh, two and a half hours of yeah. B-block action, which feels I like... I thought I would be like, I'm sure I'm going to crash like right after this. Yeah, I'm, but... I'm, I'm at my, my last bit of energy at yeah. this moment. But I am giving it all to you people. So thank you for all the calls, for all the feedback tonight. Um, yeah, I think overall, uh, a SummerSlam show that I think was fairly well received i think you can argue good and bad on the show i think thumbs in the middle is a pretty apt description of what we got on sunday night yeah but if you're going to recommend things to watch i would say the trish match the fiend for sure and the main event sure yeah i think and if are... you if you want watch the ricochet aj match yeah i think like as a match i liked it but certainly it was 
Um, the, the crowd heard it, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that was SummerSlam 2019. Way and I are going to be back probably later than usual on Monday night because we're going to be doing our raw screening at O'Grady's Tap and Grill at 171 College at McCall. It is first come, first serve. You don't need any... Uh, there's no cover. There's no tickets involved. It's just uh, show up, and uh, we hope to see many of you there. So... Me and Wei will be there. We'll have Raw on the big screen. Uh, somehow I will be jotting down notes. And then after hanging out with everybody, Wei and I will do maybe an abbreviated rewind to Raw afterwards, late into the uh, into the wee hours of Monday night. No, oh, it depends how, how many half-price wings we eat. Are they half-price? Do we know? It used to be half price okay. on Monday nights. We'll that was a decade out. ago. We will find out what the uh, the price is now. I recommend the wings if they are the same as I recall. And also, we're going to sneak in a little show on Monday afternoon because it's the G1 Finals in just a couple of – in an hour and 36 minutes, the G1 Finals will begin. And uh, should I even run through the card or is it kind of uh, – uh, Yeah, sure. I mean not – I don't think you have to like what what's give me the highlights. You know what the the second big match on the show it's it's all tags on the undercard. Yeah. The most interesting one is Okada and Tanahashi against Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. and the rest of it I'm sure it'll be fine stuff. I'm more curious about like the angles they shoot if anyone comes uh makes a surprise appearance. Like the G1 finals, it's always it's a one match show. Like mm-hmm. this is not designed to be your killer start to finish show. It's just everyone's done the tournament. It's kind of a the quiet day of the tournament for the non-finalists and the big all the focus is on Ibushi and Jay White, which Man, there was a lot of reaction to Jay White defeating Tetsuya Naito uh, that we heard today at the show. Spoiler alert. But oh, come on. 20, We're going into the final hours. in like an hour and a half. Yeah, I so know. By this point, you, you would have found it's out. It's too late. Now. It's too late. Yeah. So anyway, Wayne and I will have a show up for our patrons uh, late Monday afternoon. So we'll have that show and then rewind a, a Raw late Monday night. And of course, many people can imagine this weekend has been a total whirlwind. Uh, the news updates on the site will get back to normal, uh, I would say, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So bear with us on the news front. We're doing our best to keep everything up to date. But some great uh, reports from Benno over the week. Benno had some Dynamite reports covering the ROH show and the GCW show as well. We got a live report from the Summit on Saturday. And Eric. We, Eric Marcote with the UFC in Uruguay. In Uruguay. Who's in the chat room right now? What's up, Eric? Awesome. Eric will be joining us on Rewind Away on Friday to yes. chat UFC 189. Chad Mendez, Conor McGregor, a fight you covered live, yes. and I've got my interesting story of why I did not cover it live. Excellent. So excellent. that's coming up on Friday. Um, should we make mention about Thursday? Uh, sure. Yeah, this this week, we are not going to have a cafe hangout. All right, everybody. So if you're watching this on video, uh, in the midst of this very busy weekend, my, my lovely girlfriend unfortunately had a brief accident involving this water bottle that you see right oh, here. Oh, jeez, you just nearly spilt it oh, again, man. Shit. Be Did careful. I, oh yeah, God, he, there's water I thought the cap up. was on it. No. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, <laughs> never mind. I should probably... Anyway, my my laptop screen is cracked. It's like, a nasty you see crack. see fracture? Like, I'm going to have to send this thing into the Apple Store. Uh, I'm running my laptop right now using an iPad hooked to my laptop as the monitor. So, like, somehow... Uh, technology has allowed me to do this as a backup. Otherwise, I, I don't know if I'd be doing this show right now. So uh, I'm going to take my computer in on Wednesday once kind of this like craziness is over. 
But that means this weekend's or this Thursday's cafe hangout might be delayed. Uh, in, in, by by, we probably won't do a live call-in show. If anything, we might do something else, or we might tape something, yeah. or um, we may we tentatively have an interview scheduled. So we're not going to do the live hangout this week. Uh, I hope everyone bears with us. Like we have had an insane period, so I think most people will understand. But. Uh, Coming out Monday, we've got the G1 final show uh, for our patrons. Rewind to Raw on Monday night. Rewind to SmackDown on Tuesday night. Uh, we will have Rewind Away at the end of the week and who knows what else. Also, a UFC post show Saturday night with myself and Phil after Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic. So still lots of content this week uh, to check out. And the big one, Wednesday, we will be releasing the post-wrestling live in Toronto Q&A show from today. So if you're a patron, you will be able to get audio and video versions of that show out Wednesday. So still lots of stuff coming out this week, both yep. postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com. And it is your last day to take advantage of our 20% off sale for all patrons at store.postwrestling.com. Go take a look and uh, see if you like anything. I am signing off for show number three of three. Thank you, everyone. It was a wonderful weekend. It was great to meet so many of you. Wayne, I desperately need some sleep, but we will be back on Monday. Good night.